Thank you, Stephen and Troy, for leading us in songs this morning, powerful songs, and as we remember our great Savior, our Father in heaven, and His Son, Jesus Christ, God is love, and certainly we are to love one another. As we were singing that, I thought about John chapter 13, in verse 34, where Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What a powerful thought that really is, how people can know who we are by the love that we have for one another as we follow our Father in heaven. Thank you for being here. It's been a great day. Hopefully we have become stronger in our faith and more determined to do the will of God as we go out into a new week. A lot of uh, unfamiliar faces in the audience, which is a great thing, and hope and pray that we'll have some time after services to get to know you more. If you're uh, in need of a Bible study, or if you have Bible questions, please let us know. Many people who are willing to study the Word of God with you. Well, last week I had the opportunity to conduct the Lord's Supper talk, and I gave you five words to think about before we partook of the the bread and the unle- the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine. Do you remember what those five? words were. If you don't, that's okay, because I'm going to remind you right now. And last week, those five words that I gave you were for the sake of you. And you may remember where I got those five words from. They are found in the book of First Peter. And I'd like for you to open up your Bible, please, to First Peter chapter 1. We find the Apostle Peter in First Peter chapter 1 as he wrote to Christians who had been scattered, who were suffering He reminded them some important things concerning God and concerning Jesus Christ. He would remind them what God had done for the sake of them. And I will tell you, as we look at the book of 1 Peter, it's a very encouraging book. I've been studying it with a few people the last few weeks or the last week, I guess, and been thinking about this book. And we'll get to verse number 20 here in a moment. One of the things that's powerful about this letter, and you see this in a lot of different other books as well, But Peter places such an emphasis upon the nature of God. He speaks about who God is all throughout this letter. I want you to notice in chapter 1 and verse number 13, actually in verse number number 15, he says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy for I am holy. So he, he would emphasize the nature of God, who God is, that God is holy and as their children or as his children, we are to be holy as well. And in chapter, in chapter 4, I want you to notice in chapter 4, uh, Peter would also say something else about the God that we serve. It's, a, it's a, something very encouraging for us to remember. He said in verse number 19, the last part of the chapter, he said, Therefore those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator. And doing what is right. God, who we serve, our Father in heaven, He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is reliable. We can always trust in Him. But there's more that Peter would emphasize in the next chapter. And I love this verse here. In verse number seven, he said, Casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Think about that for a second. You cast all your anxiety on Him. For he cares for you. God is able, he is strong enough to handle and to help us to get through the challenges and the difficulties that we experience in our lives. He cares about you. He cares about me. 
And that's something that Peter is going to emphasize. But there's more. He would say in verse number 10, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace. So think about just who God is. He is holy. He is faithful. He cares about us. And he's the God of all grace. And he is, he's where our strength can be found. He said, after you suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Don't we serve an awesome God? Aren't you thankful to be a child of God? To know that the one who is faithful, the one who is holy, the one who cares, and the one who has all grace, the God of all grace, he loves you and he loves me. There's no question that he loves us. And that's what Peter is emphasizing when he used those five words for the sake of you. Because what Peter is going to begin to talk about, he's going to help us to see just how much God truly loves us, how he loves mankind, and the fact that he would send his son for the sake of you. And so this morning I want to talk about this theme or this idea for the sake of of you. And I want us to be reminded about our Father in heaven. I want us to be reminded about our Savior Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he has done for us. And there is more to this. Not only just knowing and being reminded about what he's done, but then making sure that we respond in the proper way. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter, as he wrote to the saints here, he would remind them about the sacrifice of Christ, about what Jesus did. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 17, Peter said, If you address as Father the one who impartially judges, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but... With the precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. I love what Peter says here as he talks about what Jesus has done. For the sake of you, for the sake of me. Peter's going to emphasize that Jesus appeared, that he lived, that he came to earth and lived for you and for me. It was Paul in Titus chapter 2 that would say, The grace of God appeared, bringing salvation to all men. It was John in John 1 and verse 14 who would say, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. It was Jesus who appeared. Why? For me and for you. For the sake of you, Jesus Christ appeared. Peter would continue to talk about what it was that Jesus did. He not only appeared, he not only lived, but he would also die for the sake of you. For the sake of you, Jesus left heaven. For the sake of me, he left heaven and lived in the flesh. He came here and lived for you and for me to redeem us from our sins. He's emphasizing the fact that the saints who were scattered had this redemption in Christ. And it was because of them that Jesus came for their sake to redeem them from their sins. In verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, Jesus would come and he would live. The grace of God appeared. He would sacrifice his life so that we could be redeemed. 
so that we could be, again, in a right relationship with God. In chapter 3, in chapter 3, in verse number 18, he talks about this idea of bringing us to God. In verse number 18, he said, For Christ also died for sins once for all. He appeared, and he would only have to die once for all. His sacrifice would be sufficient. He appeared once for all, the just for the unjust. In other words, he was, he was holy in nature. He never sinned. He was just. But for you and for me, he died for the unjust so that he might bring us to God. For the sake of us, he appeared so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That's what Jesus would talk about. He came not to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for all. Why? For you and for me. For the sake of you, he appeared. Our Father, who is holy, faithful, gracious, caring, desires that all men be saved. That's why he sent his son. He appeared for the sake of you. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. It is real. Hell is real. The devil and his angels will be there one day, but we don't have to be there. In fact, Peter is going to emphasize this point very clearly in the next letter that he wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. We again see the God that we serve, that he is good, that he is love, and for our sake. He doesn't want anyone to perish, and he sent his son so that we could be brought back to him, redeemed. And in a right relationship with him, the Lord, in Second Peter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Add that to something else we know about God. He's long-suffering, very long-suffering, and that is a good thing for you and for me. Not wishing. What is God's wish? God's wish is that all men be saved. God's wish for you, if you're not in Jesus Christ this morning, if you have not been delivered from your sins, his wish for you is to be saved by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He appeared for your sake. He died for you. And God is not, uh, he's not slow about his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You see the God of the Bible, the God that we serve, he is good to us. Do you agree with that? You believe that? That he is truly good to you and to me. He sent his son to appear for the sake of us. The psalmist in Psalm 120 and verse number 14, there's a part of that text where he says that God is mindful that we are but dust. And we are but dust. And he's mindful that we needed help. Mindful that we were lost in our sins. And mindful enough to send his son, Jesus, to die for you and for me. You see, he appeared. And Jesus, he would die. He would suffer in the flesh for the sake of you and for me. And thankfully, he would also rise from the grave. He arose from the grave for the sake of us. Peter would emphasize the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is not just some story that's made up. Jesus really did die. He really was buried. He really rose from the grave on the first day of the week. Three days and three nights, and he arose from the grave. 
for me and for you. In First Peter chapter 1, I want you to notice the emphasis that Peter is putting on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse number 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, add that to something else we know about our Father in heaven. He's love, he's gracious, he's holy, he's faithful, he's full of mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus really rose from the grave. He died and he appeared and suffered for the sake of you and for the sake of me. And I just got to tell you here, this is really hard to comprehend. It's really hard to think about the fact that Jesus would actually appear for me. I can only speak about myself, but when you think about it, you really understand who we really are and the attitudes that we have, and we know have, how, how we have rebelled against God and how wicked we are at times. And yet for our sake, Jesus appeared for you and for me. The one who existed before the foundation of the world had us in mind when he appeared and when he lived and when he suffered for you and for me. That's what he did in First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 21. Peter would emphasize this for good reason because these Christians were suffering. And so they needed to take their cue from Jesus because when he lived, after he appeared, he also suffered. In verse 21 of chapter 2, for you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you. He suffered for you. For the sake of you, he appeared. For the sake of me, he suffered. For the sake of us, he he lived a life that was perfect. In verse 22, he says, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins for the sake of us. This is what he did. For our sake, he bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. If that doesn't put a smile on your face, if that doesn't give you great comfort and confidence about how much your Father in heaven truly loves you, And we didn't have to go back and and consider some other things. Brothers and sisters, our Father in heaven is love. And he has demonstrated just how much he loves us. Not just us, the entire world. For the sake of us, Jesus appeared and he lived. He bore our sins on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his stripes, through his suffering... Through his sacrifice, we are healed. We serve a God who took pity upon us. He sent his son because he knew we were in need of salvation. We see the problem of sin, and we see how desperate we truly need our Father in heaven and his son, Jesus Christ. Why would anyone do such a thing for me? Why would anyone do such a thing for me? Why would anyone do such a thing for any of us? Because of love. For the sake of you, the one who was before the foundation of the world said, I'm going to appear and live and die. Now, Peter reminded the saints about this. 
and we need to be reminded about it as well, of the nature of God. We never need to question his love or his mercy or his grace or his faithfulness. This was a plan he had, and Jesus fulfilled it. Now, what we need to do, because of all that he's done for us, and this is, I think, good as we think about going into 2020, what we need to do because of what he has done, we need to respond the right way. You guys know what's going to come up on the screen next, right? Because of what he has done. You see, Peter didn't just stop there as he talked about God and said, for the sake of you, he's done all these things. They needed to be reminded about that. But they also needed to be reminded of something else, that they needed to respond the right way because of what he had done for them. Brothers and sisters, that is a reminder for us. I want you to think about it. We need to think about this more and more, what Jesus has done for us, the response that we should have. The more we can consider God and how awesome he is, how holy he is, how loving he is, it should naturally help us and cause us to desire to do whatever, whatever he tells us to do, to reciprocate, to, to demonstrate love to him, and to help us to follow him in all the things that he asks of us. That's what Peter does in this letter. He says, for the sake of you, he lays it all out. It's very much like the letter to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 that we've been studying in Bible class, where Paul lays out all that Christ has done for us. And then he responds by saying, now this is how you need to respond. So let me give you a couple of thoughts of how we need to respond that we read about in this letter here. Number one, one of the biggest things that stood out to me is that we need to proclaim the excellencies of him. For the sake of us, Jesus died. He appeared, he died, he rose from the grave, and we're a part of something special. We are a part of the body of Christ. We are a part of something just something amazing, not because of who we are, but only because of who he is. Peter would say in verse number, in chapter 2 and verse number 9, he said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. That's something really important for us to think about. A holy nation, be holy because our Father is holy, a people for God's own possession so that you may, listen to this, proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. See, for the sake of you, he did all this. He has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As we think about who we are in Christ and what Jesus has done for us, for the sake of us that did not deserve this, Yet he would do all of this for us. First, let's make sure that we proclaim the excellencies of him. Proclaim means to publish, to celebrate, to show forth, to tell, to declare abroad, to make known. We need to be shouting from the rooftops what our Father in heaven has done for us. We need to be, we need to be shouting from the rooftops who our God is, because he is awesome. Proclaim the excellencies of him. I want you to think back, and I know you can't think back in just a minute or so, but maybe this is a good exercise for all of us to do. In 2019, what or who have we been proclaiming? Because Peter's saying, look, for the sake of you, you are his people. 
for the sake of you, you're a chosen nation, a, a, holy, a holy race. And you need to be putting the spotlight all on him. In 2019, brothers and sisters, what have we been proclaiming? What have we been celebrating? What have we been making known to others? I know there's lots and lots of things that we can talk about. But at the top of the list, at the top of the list, needs to be our Savior, Jesus Christ. Needs to be what God has done, not just for us, but for everyone. He did all of this for your sake and for mine. And so the natural response should be for the sake of him that we proclaim, that we celebrate, that we make it known, that we share with others this great news of how the just died for the unjust. I don't know about you, but I think this is one of the most powerful thoughts when it comes to evangelism. There should just kind of be a natural response to go and make disciples. Because when we understand what he has truly done for, for our sake, it should just be a natural response of saying, I, I have to share this with someone else. For the sake of you. And now for us, we need to respond by proclaiming the excellencies of him. Because he, what did he do? He called us out of darkness. From the dominion of Satan to God's marvelous light. That's what our Father in heaven, that's what his son Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. When we're excited about what he did for our sakes, we will have no problem sharing this with others. And this isn't meant to to beat up or to put down or anything like that when it comes to evangelism. What I'm just saying is this should just be a natural response that we have. When we truly understand how awesome God is and how amazing the sacrifice of Jesus really is, that we will share this with others. And this should always be first and foremost the thing that we want to share and talk about. For the sake of us, we need, to, we need to proclaim what he has done for us, proclaim the excellencies of him. And because of what he's done for us, Peter makes it very clear. We need to be his children and be obedient children. There's no question about this at all. This should just be the natural response that we want to be obedient to him when we truly understand this great gift of salvation that he's given to us. He said in chapter 1 and verse 13, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the former lust, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. There's our why. That's who we are supposed to be, period. His children. We need to be obedient to him, and we need to listen to him, and we need to honor him and all that he has done. For the sake of him, Peter will go on to say in chapter 2 and verse 12, he said, for the sake of him, we need to be excellent in the way that we live. He said, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Again, we're putting that spotlight on him. Because of all that he's done for us, for the sake of you, this is a normal, natural response that we should have. That we live soberly and righteously, and that our behavior is excellent among those in the world. Because we want them to see and to understand the salvation that we have. And we want them to understand what it means to be a Christian and how awesome and great our Father in heaven really is. 
We want him to be glorified. So much so that he, that he would go on to say, as obedient children, here's something else you need to do. In verse number 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God. This is God's will, that we submit to those in authority that we respond the proper way, that we live in a manner that is pleasing to him, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God for the sake of him, because of what he's done for us. Honor all people, he says. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. We are to be obedient to him. Because he appeared for us. He died for us. He rose from the grave for us. This is the natural response that we should have. There shouldn't be any back and forth with this. This is just who we are supposed to be. Because of what he's done for us, there's something else that we're going to have to be and do. Suffer. He has given us the pattern to follow. We are to walk in his footsteps. In First Peter 2 and verse 21, he said, For you've been called... For this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example, listen to this, for you to follow in his steps. That's, those are some powerful thoughts. That's what a disciple does. We follow in his steps. Difficult steps we must take. Suffer. This is going to be a part of our walk. But we do that. You know why? Because Jesus suffered all the way to the cross. He suffered while he was on the cross. We suffer as well. Why? Because he appeared for the sake of us. The suffering that the Christians were experiencing, it was intensifying. And it's mentioned time and time again in all five chapters. And their lives would become more challenging, and no doubt those steps would become challenging as well. But they had to continue to remain with God to walk in those steps of suffering and not suffering because they were evildoers and because they were being rebellious toward God, but because of their faith and their hope in Jesus Christ, because of who they were in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the example that we are to follow. You've been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. He suffered all the way to the point of death. We must be willing to go all the way. He lived and he died for us. And the natural response is that we're going to put the spotlight on him. We're going to proclaim the excellencies of him. We're going to be obedient. We're going to suffer. And we're going to stand firm. Jesus went all the way for you and for me. He didn't give up halfway through his journey. He accomplished the will of God. This book is, is a book of grace. It's a reminder of what God has done for us, that the grace of God has appeared to all men. Jesus went all the way for you and for me, which means that we're going to have to remain and go all the way with, for him. Stand firm in the grace of God. We're going to have to rely upon him and his strength and remain with him no matter what we experience in this world. Peter would wrap up and, and give this explanation as to why he wrote this. He said, Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. He reminded us about God's grace and how the grace of God appeared. 
and the natural response we should have to this amazing grace and the fact that we can rely upon our Father in heaven and our Savior Jesus Christ no matter what we experience. This should be how we respond because of what he has done. For the sake of you, he experienced all of this. And so the natural response for us should be, I'm going to do everything he wants me to do because he did everything for me. For the sake of you, he went all the way. And what this means for us is that we need to take up our cross daily and we need to go with him every day. We need to walk in his steps every day. By his stripes, we were healed. Peter was writing to individuals who had been born again. He would emphasize this in chapter 1 and verse 21. He said, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God, he reminded them of who they were. Brothers and sisters, do not forget who you are. We are Christians. We are disciples. We have been born again. We heard the message. We heard about his appearing and believed the good news of of who he was and what he did. As Peter will talk about in verse 21, we were baptized so that we could be saved from our sins. He said, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we have done. But we've got to make sure that we remain with him, that we stand firm in who he is and his grace, that we rely upon him and not ourselves, that we go all the way, that we take up our cross daily and follow him. Why? Because for the sake of us, He appeared, and he died, and he suffered. And I will tell you, Peter makes it very clear the response that we are to have. Read the entire letter. He makes it clear, husbands, love your wives. That's the response we should have because of the grace of God that has appeared for us. Love your wives, and wives, love your husbands and submit to them. And brothers in Christ, you love one another. Because of what he has done, you forgive one another. You be humble, kind-hearted. You submit to those in, in leadership, those elders in your congregation. And you treat people in the world the right way. All of this is motivated by what he has done for us. For the sake of you, he appeared. That's awesome. And that's what we need to hide in our hearts as we live our lives as Christians. We need to stand firm in his grace, remain with him, walk after him because of what he has done for us, for the sake of you. What an awesome God we serve. Let's appreciate his love. If you're not saved, if you're outside of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. But there's good news. He appeared for you, and he appeared to take away the sin of the world. The question is, what are you going to do? with this man named Jesus. What are you going to do and how are you going to respond to what he has done for you? I want to encourage you to open up your Bible and to get to know this man named Jesus and to understand that indeed he is the Son of God. He really rose from the grave on the first day of the week and that he loves you and that he appeared 
to deliver you from your sins as well. And that you need to be born again. And we'd love to study with you and help you if you're in need of that at this time. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.